Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm your host, Brad, and yes, I am in fact a beggar. I'm grateful to announce to you that this hungry beggar has found bread, the bread of life, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. And my hope is to shine a light to illuminate where there is darkness that others will find the way to this bread. This episode, The Antichrist. You can give credit to Slayer for the title to this episode. Longtime death metal band Slayer, who began as a cover band playing songs by Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. They had a $0 budget for their debut album, ended up draining personal savings and borrowing money from family members to get off the ground. Slayer's songs have themes that include anti-God messages, extreme violence, genocide, and Satanism, to name a few. So no, I am not endorsing this band, folks. Not at all. I'll just say that there are not many Christian bands that have songs with Antichrist in the title. So I went with, I went with these guys. They're a part of what is called the Big Four, which includes them, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Metallica. Interesting fact, their guitarist, Carrie King, briefly played for Megadeth, but found it consuming too much of his time, and it caused a rift, actually, between he and Megadeth founder Dave Mustaine. And there was also a rift between... Dave Mustaine, and the guys in Metallica. So, you know, nice that they could all come together and be the big four and tour together the way they do. That's, that's a nice thing. In his time away from the band, Kerry King owns a reptile shop and breeds exotic snakes, various pythons and boas and so forth. And personally, I have not listened to much from these guys at all. Alas, it's not about the music anyway, or the metal, or the Madagascar ground boas. It's about the message, the Antichrist. We're moving forward in our overview of the book of 1 John, a letter written by the apostle known as John the Beloved, one of the sons of thunder. This letter was written towards the end of the first century from the Isle of Patmos, where John was exiled by the Roman Emperor Domitian. Written to believers who were gathering in house churches in Asia Minor. The audience for John's epistles were both Jewish and Gentile followers of the Messiah Yeshua. Many uh, Jewish believers and Jews overall had been dispersed from Israel, from Jerusalem, and so they were finding themselves in many of the surrounding areas. As to the history and context of this letter, we did dig a bit deeper into that in the Let It Shine episode, which was the first of this study. So for a little more info on that, you can check that one out when you have time. This epistle serves as an encouragement reminding believers in Hashem through Yeshua how they are to live, how they are to conduct themselves, also defining sin, both witting and unwitting sin, and explaining repentance. Additionally, this letter serves as a warning to these believers about those among them who are walking away from Yeshua and trying to take others with them. 
This is a big portion of what we will look at today, beginning in the middle of the second chapter of 1 John. So let's light this candle and see what we can discover. 1 John chapter 2, and we will begin at verse 18. Children, this is the last hour. You have heard that anti-Messiah is coming, and in fact, many anti-Messiahs have arisen now, which is how we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they weren't part of us. For had they been part of us, they would have remained with us. But you have received the Messiah's anointing from HaKodesh, and you know all this. It is not because you don't know the truth that I have written to you, but because you do know it, and because no lie has its origin in the truth. Who is a liar at all, if not the person who denies that Yeshua is the Messiah? Such a person is an anti-Messiah. He is denying the Father and the Son. So everyone who denies the Son is also without the Father. But the person who acknowledges the Son has the Father as well. Let what you heard from the beginning remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you will also remain in union with both the Son and the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I have written you these things about the people who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the messianic anointing you received from the Father remains in you, so that you have no need for anyone to teach you. On the contrary, as his messianic anointing continues to teach you about all things and is true, not a counterfeit, so just as he taught you, remain united with him. And now, children... Remain united with him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you should also know that he is the father of everyone who does what is right. See what love the Father has lavished on us in letting us be called God's children, for that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it has not known him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and it has not yet been made clear what we will become. We do know that when when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he really is. That is 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through chapter 3 and verse 2. And as the title of this episode indicates, we will spend some time exploring and peeling back the layers on the theme of Antichrist or Anti-Messiah, as the translation I'm using states. I'm going to give a word of caution here. Portions of what I have discovered and will share may be alarming to you, even jarring as it one to me was to me. It, it was unsettling in some ways looking through and coming to an understanding of this. So let's start at verse 18. Children, this is the last hour. 
you have heard that an anti-Messiah is coming, and in fact, many anti-Messiahs have arisen now, which is how we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they weren't part of us. For had they been part of us, they would have remained with us. All right. So let's remember, this is written over 1,900 years ago. Towards the end of the first century, Common Era, John starts by warning them that this is the last hour, meaning he believed the end of the age was upon them and the coming of the Messianic era, the promised kingdom, based on all that was going on at that time, was near, imminent. He uses, as proof of it being the last hour, that with the rise of anti-Messiah personalities, the anti-Messiah, the anti-Messiah, would soon arrive on the scene. And John reveals that some of the anti-Messiah personalities have come from among their assemblies. They went out from us, he said. These are people who at one time declared themselves followers of Yeshua, who, for any number of reasons, have turned away from him. They then became anti-Messiah, deniers that Yeshua is the promised anointed one of Hashem. And the words Messiah and Christ mean anointed one. Messiah became an idiom for the specific promised one, of the Hebrew scriptures. It can be used as having multiple applications towards people, anointed ones, but it became an idiom for the one true promised one, again, from the Hebrew scriptures, the promised Messiah. John states that these anti-Messiahs who were once with them were not really part of these communities for if they had been, they never would have left. So does this mean that John was a Calvinist? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't believe so. I, I think he's encouraging the readers of this letter to remind them of the foundation of their faith. And we'll see more of that as we read through the rest of this chapter. Just encouraging them so that they will not be shaken as these anti-Messiahs are and, and they are now infiltrating or were then infiltrating and trying to draw others away from Yeshua. And this is something that, that still does happen today. So, but let's read a little bit further. We're going to pick up at verse 20. But you have received the Messiah's anointing from HaKodesh, the Holy One. And you know all this. It is not because you don't know the truth that I have written to you, but because you do know it. And because no lie has its origin in the truth. Who is a liar at all, if not the person who denies that Yeshua is the Messiah? Such a person is anti-Messiah. He is denying the Father and the Son. John reinforces to these believers that he's writing these things to them because they already know the truth of the revealed Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. He would not write the same way this message to non-believers because they 
they, the recipients of this letter, know the truth he is writing, and that's why he speaks or writes to them in the way he does here. He wouldn't do it the same if they were non-believers. John makes it very plain in this next verse. Who is a liar at all if not the person who denies that Yeshua is the Messiah? He's saying, if the one who denies Yeshua is Messiah is not a liar, then there's no such thing as a liar at all. This is the great lie and deception told to humanity, that Yeshua is not the promised Messiah. John continues, such a person is an anti-Messiah. He is denying the Father and the Son. So we're going to pause here. There are many thoughts, ideas, and doctrines that speak to the Antichrist, the Anti-Messiah. What I will ask is that you please allow yourself to be open-minded with what I'm going to share next, because we must remember that John is himself a Jew, a Jewish follower of Yeshua. He wrote of anti-Messiah in this epistle. Paul, also a Jew, wrote of anti-Messiah in his epistles. The master, Yeshua of Nazareth, a Jew, spoke of false messiahs and anti-Messiah. Their descriptions come from the Tanakh, the Torah, the writings, and the prophets, the Hebrew scriptures, as well as other Hebrew traditional understandings. That's where the descriptions of anti-Messiah come from. So honestly, we must know what the Jewish understanding of anti-Messiah is in order to rightly divide the word of truth. There are many different ideas, and again, particularly in modern Christianity, we go around and we chase things and we look for chasing the people and identifying. And there's, you know, there's a teacher that I very much like and respect, uh, Zach Bauer, and uh, new to Torah is, is his ministry. I enjoy a lot of what he, but he, he says that we should all have a horse in the race, like we should all pick a modern personality that we think could be the Messiah or the anti-Messiah, I'm sorry, that he, uh, you know, that we should all have a horse in the race, as he put it. And I, I disagree. I don't think that's why any of this stuff was written. I don't believe that's the case. I think it's a, to give us an awareness, but not that we sit and we try and predict who it is. Because here's the reality, folks. Anyone who has made a prediction thus far has been wrong. A couple thousand years of this. And even prior to that, there were, there were people, I'm certain, looking for uh, the anti-Messiah. They've all been wrong. So what's the point of that? The point is bringing us to an awareness that this personality exists. It's not just one person. There are many. And one of the, one of the key Descriptions and definitions is exactly what John brought out here. Someone who denies Yeshua is the Messiah. We're going to go further into this. 
but we must know the understanding. We have to have the context. And again, the Jewish understanding of how to define anti-Messiah. So in the scriptures, anti-Messiah is called a liar, deceiver, man of lawlessness, and the beast, among other unflattering descriptions. Anti-Messiah is also discussed in some extra-biblical texts, the Didache, which is an apostolic writing, kind of a basic understanding for the followers of Yeshua, which was uh, written in the late 1st or early 2nd century. But it includes many of the Master's teachings. It was kind of a, a baseline for those who sought to be disciples of Yeshua, the Didache. So there is, in the latter chapters, I believe in the 16th chapter, there is discussion of anti-Messiah. Another extra-biblical, apocryphal writing that refers to anti-Messiah as the son of lawlessness is the Apocalypse of Elijah. And this was most most likely written by first-century Jewish followers of Yeshua. It was not canonized, is not canonized, and some of it, as I understand it, they even redacted. Um, but they but they mention it just you know just as I guess uh, an idea of a resource reflecting what was the understanding at that time first century followers of the Messiah Yeshua Jewish followers of Yeshua. So when we hear the phrase we hear it nowadays, man of lawlessness or son of lawlessness, our 21st century Western thoughts may lead us to picture some kind of criminal, a rebel, perhaps a mustachioed villain trying, uh, you know, tying a damsel to the railroad tracks, <laughs> or a person who drives, you know, 77 in a 65 mile per hour speed zone, or someone who removes the tags from their mattresses without care for the wreckage they are causing. Man of lawlessness, whatever we may think that looks like. None of these or other thoughts of criminal behavior actually meet what would be the first century Jewish understanding, or even that of modern religious Jewish people. Lawlessness, very specifically, means one who disobeys or denies the Torah, the laws of Hashem. One who is lawless lives outside of the laws and commands of Hashem. In this very epistle, John declares that sin is lawlessness, living without or contrary to the law of God. The promised Messiah is, among other things, a prophet of the Most High, El Elyon. In order for one to qualify as Messiah, he must pass what is called the Deuteronomy 13 test, which is found, you guessed it, in Deuteronomy chapter 13. So let's jump there, and we'll just look at the first several verses in Deuteronomy 13. 
If a prophet or someone who gets messages while dreaming arises among you and he gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder comes about as he predicted when he said, let's follow other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You are not to listen to what that prophet or dreamer says. For Adonai your God is testing you in order to find out whether you really do love Adonai your God with all your heart and being. You are to follow Adonai your God, fear him, obey his mitzvot, listen to what he says, serve him, and cling to him. And that prophet or dreamer is to be put to death because he urged rebellion against Adonai your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from a life of slavery in order to seduce you away from the path Adonai your God ordered you to follow. This is how you are to rid your community of this wickedness. So these these prophets, dreamers, are trying to woo people away from Adonai Elohim, who clearly rescued these people out of the land of Egypt and redeemed them from a life of slavery. And these these false prophets are doing so in order to seduce people away from Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. So, when anyone comes about declaring themselves a prophet, even if they perform miracles and signs or their predictions come true, but they call you away from Adonai Elohim and his commands to worship other gods, to disobey the Torah, you must not follow that person. And in fact, they should be put to death. And there are other passages that go on to define false prophets as well. Clearly, no one fitting the description of a false prophet could be the Messiah. They would be anti-Messiah. This is the foundation of understanding of the Antichrist. One who does miracles, prophesies, And those prophecies come to pass, working wonders, and then leads people away from Adonai Elohim and his Torah. So this is a big factor why many Jewish people refuse to acknowledge or accept Yeshua as the Messiah. And it's not that he actually fits the description of a false prophet. But the majority of Christians have presented him as such. Look, look at all the miracles that Jesus did, these verified miracles and healings that Jesus did, even raising the dead to life. He's the Messiah. Worship him instead of Hashem. He abolished the law so you don't have to follow it anymore. Just believe in Jesus. Now, these may not be the exact words used, but I assure you that this is what many Jews hear when being presented the gospel. And yes, I used air quotes when saying that, because that's not the gospel according to scripture. It is in truth 
the wishful thinking of Christians who have had the scriptures presented in a twisted fashion in hopes that they don't have to obey any of the rules or laws. Well, at least the ones they disagree with. And it's the same type of wishful thinking that I believe people who want to want to focus on a pre-tribulation rapture or pre-tribulation resurrection. I'm not going to go into the rapture right now. We did that a long time ago in the Gone Away episode. You can go back and check that one out. Um, in, in any event, but this pre-tribulation you know, escapist mentality, which is wishful thinking. Yeah, it would be great. But unfortunately, the scriptures tell us that we will experience tribulation and trials. So that's wishful thinking. And the same is true here. It's wishful thinking. Oh, good. I don't have to, I don't have to be good. I don't have to do right. All I have to do is believe in Jesus. And now all that other stuff doesn't matter anymore. And that's not what the scriptures say. So when people present Yeshua in this manner, that he's a man who canceled the law, when he's presented in this way, they are in fact presenting anti-Messiah. Now, I'm not saying that these people worship or follow the Antichrist, but in their ignorance, they are presenting a false prophet who would then be a false Messiah and is anti-Messiah if he does not uphold the Torah. And what did Yeshua do? He, he didn't call people to himself. He called people to the Father. And yes, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But what's the, what's the, the end goal there? Coming to the Father in any event, let me move forward. So the Jesus that did miracles and canceled the Torah called people to worship him instead of the Father. By definition, in the scriptures, such a one would be a false prophet, anti-Messiah. And as one modern messianic rabbi stated, the Jewish no to Jesus based on the way most Christians present him, is actually a yes to the Father, Hashem. We really need to consider this when seeking to reach Jews with Yeshua. The church spends a disproportionate amount of money to evangelize the Jewish people, which is incredible because they see the need. They see in Scripture what, what the truth of of the matter is, and that they need Yeshua. But it is most often done without a Jewish understanding of what Messiah should and should not look like. And I do know that Isaiah prophesied and, and Yeshua echoed the prophecy that the eyes of many Jews would be blinded to the truth. For those eyes, for those whose eyes are open, they will receive Yeshua when he is revealed to them in a way that is consistent with the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. And I would say that it's also possible that some, many even, Gentile believers have their eyes blinded or closed to the truth of whom Yeshua truly is. 
I will say, it is, however, encouraging to connect with and hear a massive shift within the body of Messiah coming to a place of being receptive to and embracing the Jewishness of Jesus, which can shake some to the core. But that which remains after that shaking is the true foundation upon which we can build. No other foundation can be laid than that which is already laid, which is Yeshua, the Messiah. The descriptions and references to Antichrist in the scriptures, the Tanakh, as well as the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament writings, are not there for use to try to look into a crystal ball and predict who, what, where, and when. They are there for our awareness that such ones will come, but we are to remain faithful to the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Even in this letter and in Revelation, we don't read John speculating who it might be, the anti-Messiah, but to be vigilant in your faith. Be transparent before Adonai. If you sin and it's revealed to you, repent. If you think you have not sinned, repent of any unwitting, unknown sins. Turn away from the old ways. Turn away from sin and turn back to the ways of Hashem. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica. They had been told Yeshua had already returned and the kingdom was here on earth. And the... There are actually, and I think we see this in some modern churches where they declare that the kingdom is here, that Yeshua, when he said it is done, that means the old, all the old was gone and the new had arrived. The kingdom was here on earth. And that's not what was meant in that statement. Because we are still here in this present world. The kingdom is Olam Haba, the world which is to come. And yes, we have, we have that earnest money, if you will. Not money, but we have the earnest. We have the down payment of the spirit of Elohim, Ruach Elohim within us. And we should be living as though we were in the kingdom. What will that look like when we are in the kingdom? You can read in Hebrews. It talks all about it. And as well as, well as in Jeremiah 31, it talks about what it will look like in the coming kingdom when the new covenant is fulfilled on earth. That the laws will be written on our hearts. They will be on our minds. We will, no longer will there be evil inclination within us. And so we're to live with what we have, what we have been given by the Most High through the Messiah, Yeshua. We are to live to the best of our ability and with the empowerment that he has given us as, as though we are in the kingdom. But it is not yet here. Look around. It's not here yet, but we can help establish it. Amen. There's more to go on that. Probably another episode or several discussing that, uh, Lord willing. We'll see. 
All right, so back to um, Second Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica. So they had been told Yeshua had already been returned and the kingdom was here on earth. Here's what Paul said. But in connection with the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, we ask you, brothers, not to be easily shaken in your thinking or anxious because a uh, because of a spirit or a spoken message or a letter supposedly from us claiming that the day of the Lord has already come. So Paul refutes what they've been told, that the day of the Lord, they were told that the day of the Lord had already come. He goes on, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For the day will not come until after the apostasy has come and the man who separates himself from Torah has been revealed, the one destined for doom. He will oppose himself to everything that people call a god or make an object of worship. He will put himself above them all so that he will sit in the temple of God and proclaim that he himself is God. This is what anti-Messiah will do. And there have been many throughout history who have vied for the position of Antichrist, the beast. The anti-Messiah will lead people away from the Torah, man of lawlessness, after performing many wonders. Yeshua described anti-Messiah as such, that he will stir up Great hatred towards the Jews leading the war of Gog and Magog, all the nations against Israel. Nero was thought to be the anti-Messiah. He was even called the beast as he burned believers alive in his garden for entertainment. He and other Roman emperors saw themselves as the ruler of Gog in the battle of Gog versus Magog, what, what we call Armageddon, or most of us refer to as Armageddon. These and others, many others throughout history, fit the description of anti-Messiah, certainly, but not the anti-Messiah. And most often, whoever is Pope at the time is considered a candidate, got that connection to Rome. Any other charismatic world leader, president of the United States, other, and other world leaders, people of great influence are all considered to be the anti-Messiah. Could this be the Antichrist? I don't think at all that's why we have, been, we, we have the scriptures and the words that speak and describe Antichrist, Anti-Messiah. It's not to foretell who's going to be, who is going to be, and when. And once more, everyone who has guessed thus far has been wrong. I believe we should stop doing that. We have these warnings in Scripture to call us to greater diligence in applying our declared faith to our daily lives. Strive, make every effort, study to show yourself approved of God. Had people truly studied to show themselves approved of God, would they have presented Jesus in the way they have, completely contrary to the Torah? Would they have presented him in a way that would have 
shown him to be a false prophet, according to Deuteronomy 13. Doubtful. All right, back to John's epistle. Let's rewind to verse 19. They went out from us, but they weren't part of us. For had they been part of us, they would have remained with us. But you have received the Messiah's anointing from HaKodesh, the Holy One, and you know all this. So John's making a contrast between those who walked away from Yeshua and those who remain in the faith. He then says, It is not because you don't know the truth that I have written to you, but because you do know it, and because no lie has its origin in the truth. Who is a liar at all, if not the person who denies that Yeshua is the Messiah? Such a person is an anti-Messiah. He is denying the Father and the Son. Everyone who denies the Son is also without the Father. But the person who acknowledges the Son has the Father as well. Let what you heard from the beginning remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you will also remain in union with both the Son and the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I have written you these things about the people who are trying to deceive you. The person who is anti-Messiah denies both the Son and the Father. The one who acknowledges the Son, Yeshua of Nazareth, has the Father as well. Because Yeshua pointed to the Father continuously. John exhorts his readers to adhere to what they heard in the beginning so that they will keep in communion with Yeshua and Hashem. And the promise for remaining in what they first heard is eternal life, a portion in the coming kingdom. So what is it that they heard from the beginning that will help them to receive this promise? I believe since these home fellowships consist, consisted of both Jewish and Gentile followers of the master, that John is referring to the gospel here, what you have heard from the beginning, because that's the focus of this entire portion of his letter, is who is Yeshua. So I believe he is referring to the true gospel. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. It is so close that the Messiah has been revealed. He is Yeshua of Nazareth, the righteous one. I believe this to be the case also because John has been cautioning his audience about those who were with them who now deny Yeshua. So that's what I believe he refers to when he says to continue adhering to what you heard from the beginning regarding the Master, Yeshua, the Messiah. On to verse 27. As for you, the messianic anointing you received from the Father remains in you, so that you have no need for anyone to teach you. On the contrary, as his messianic anointing continues to teach you about all things and is true, not a counterfeit, so, just as he taught you, remain united with him. The anointing which was received from the Father and is 
still received. The anointing from the Father remains in these believers, John says. He says, these believers have no need for anyone to teach them and that this anointing teaches them about all things. So I personally do not think John is absolving them from needing teachers and listening to teaching and having a rabbi, so to speak, in all matters related to the faith. I don't think he. this is an all-encompassing statement that he's making. I believe the messianic anointing to which John refers precludes these believers from needing to be taught the basic principles as to the identity of the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, and how to remain united together in him. That with the messianic anointing, they will not be drawn away from Yeshua as the others were. Those in whom the anointing either never was or no longer remains in them. Verse 28, And now, children, remain united with him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you should also know that he is the father of everyone who does what is right. You will know them by their fruit, as the master said. See what love the father has lavished on us in letting us be called God's children? For that is what we are. How incredible that the Holy One, blessed be he, would call us his children Knowing our every thought, word, and action, yet he loves us so deeply, he calls us his sons and daughters, because we have been reconciled to him through his only begotten son, Yeshua. The reason the world does not know us is that it has not known him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, born again, born from above, And it has not yet been made clear what we will become in the Messianic era, the coming kingdom at the resurrection. We do know that when Yeshua appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. So John is preparing people for obtaining their portion in the coming kingdom through Yeshua, urging them to remain in what they have heard from the beginning Stick to this. And this admonition is for us too. Do not be swayed. Do not be strayed and and led away from what we have heard from the beginning about the Master Yeshua, the Messiah. So I know we spent a fair amount of time in this episode discussing Antichrist. And I, I honestly... I felt as I was studying through this that it was it was impressed upon me to do so, to elaborate and increase understanding of what it means for one to be anti-Messiah. And that we will also, through that, better be able to recognize Messiah, Yeshua, at his return. There's much more to be unpacked on that topic as well as the coming kingdom Um, And the anti-Messiah, the return of the true anointed one, Yeshua HaMashiach, so much more. Study to show yourself approved of God. 
Try to study his word while setting aside preconceived doctrinal influences and look at it for what it is. And again, as others have said, and I've said before, the scriptures were not written to us as far as the context goes, but they certainly were written for us. There is a lost and dying world that desperately needs the righteous one, the bread of life, the true Messiah, Yeshua, that they will not be saved by the man of lawlessness. Let's go out and give him heaven. And until next time, may the favor, the master Yeshua of Nazareth, earned in the eyes of Hashem, be upon you and all your household, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding reign in your hearts and minds in the Messiah Yeshua. Grace and peace. Chain Shalom.